Welcome to The Irony of Beauty, a fortnightly podcast hosted by skincare experts Fiona and Rose. They love a good chat and sometimes a heated debate about all things skin and nutrition, calling out scaremongering, misinformation and misleading marketing in an ever-confusing world of beauty and wellness. Please note, the information provided is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace qualified medical advice. Welcome back, Rose. Uh, second edition of Talking About Breakout Prone Skin and Acne. So I thought we'd carry this through to two episodes because there's so much information. And last time we spoke, we spoke about a lot of things, actually. <laughs> um, you know, about diet and about ingredients, internal triggers, external triggers. And I think today we're going to talk more about treatments and ingredients as well. So what people can can look for in a topical product and also what treatments can be beneficial for acne as well yes um so treatments for acne that i offer in the clinic when i design a treatment plan they have to be strategically planned so there are certain treatments that are very good for um, treating acne but they have to be done at the right time so looking at that skin if that skin is really highly inflamed if there's a lot of heat in the skin it's dehydrated you're not going to do a treatment that's going to initiate a huge amount of inflammation because the skin's not going to cope. So working with skin integrity, reducing the inflammation, use those treatments that are going to do that for you so you can rebuild the skin, reduce inflammation, then you can start getting in to regulate it. And so for people listening, what would those treatments be? What, what would they need to be looking for? I'm a huge fan of uh, Omnilux LED. Mm-hmm. I think the LED is an incredible way to improve skin integrity. Laser Genesis is also very good as well. What colour um, LED light would you use though? Uh, I'd use a combination. So if I meet someone with quite cystic inflamed acne, I would do a one-month protocol with them where they would come in twice, two to three times a week and I'd alternate the wavelengths. Essentially the blue light treats the bacteria, yep. right? So that anaerobic environment to kill off the bacteria but you also want to manage the inflammation so the 630 nanometer which is the red light does a very good job at that if it's quite severely inflamed and incredibly painful um you know with cysts and nodules even the infrared is actually very good because it reduces the inflammation to a much better degree and a little bit quicker um almost a bit of wound healing so i would do that over a month Um, And then obviously managing them with the right topical ingredients, managing their lifestyle, um, internal support, give the body time over that four weeks to reduce the inflammation. And then I would start integrating from there other treatments. Yeah, same. Um, Absolutely. Because you've got to just calm it all down because sometimes it's just so inflamed. Let's talk about the ingredients then. So... um, we keep saying get the right ingredients. Let, let's dive a little bit deeper into that and talk about what are the right ingredients because when it's that red and inflamed, we really want to be not overstimulating it either um, because then once we've got the inflammation under control and the redness, we can then go in with more um, ingredients that are going to target those key things such as the, the, the oil, the bacteria and the, the build-up of dead skin cells. So what are some of your favourite ingredients? And I'll I'll talk about some of mine as well. 
I love zinc topically. Um, vitamin B, niacinamide, as long as it's in, you know, the right dose. Um, if it's anything too high in a percentage, sometimes it can be a little bit irritating. So your niacinamide is very good to panthenol, um, aloe, azelaic. All of those ingredients are really good. Even um, I find even vitamin A very good because vitamin A has an anti-inflammatory effect. So if you keep it in a, a lower dose, retinaldehyde, my favorite, um, if I introduce that in a lower dose, it can actually be quite effective, but you just got to really be very specific with that. Some skins can't handle it if they're too inflamed, mm. but I have pretty good results with that. Once I've reduced the inflammation, um, then I will start going in with um, other actives like your AHAs, your BHAs. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, even, um, did I say salicylic acid? Did I say that? No. But That's I, another. Yeah, I love That's salicylic. I mean, I, yeah. I like the calming ingredients first as well. I love beta-glucan. That's an incredible ingredient that I think just doesn't get the recognition that it, it deserves. It's very, very hydrating. Um I prefer it to hyaluronic, but I like the mix of the two, actually, just for hydration. Um, Canadian willow herb, I've literally seen miracles with that ingredient to take down redness in the skin. I love that ingredient so much, but you don't see that a lot. Aloe B5, zinc as well for acne are all really good ingredients. Um, I would tend to stay away from ascorbic acid with, with acne. I find that can be too acidic. It can tend to cause breakouts. There are other more gentle forms of vitamin C, vitamin C derivatives that would be more suitable for acne, um, particularly if you're dealing with that marking after acne, the pigmentation that can occur from the the inflammation um but l-ascorbic in my experience tends to make acne worse rather than than better so it tends to be something that i would steer away from um they would be the the calming ingredients that i would tend to go for and then as you've said once you've you've got that calm skin then you can go in with more your your vitamin a's retinaldehyde um Again, there's all different types of vitamin A, though. So, you know, even a beta-carotene or a retinol palmitate in the right amount to start with can be quite good for the antioxidants for, for acne as well. Um, azelaic is a great ingredient. I tried this product from the UK, which had, I think, 20% azelaic. I think it was called Noon, N-O-O-N. It's a practitioner product, and I saw probably some of the most incredible results I've ever seen for not only sort of acne but also for rosacea as well. You can't get it here in Australia. Um, what a lot of people probably don't realise though, with azelaic, the, the evidence is around 15%. It can be up to 20 for acne. Um, and the azelaic that you get, well, actually, as far as I'm aware, you're not allowed to actually sell azelaic in a skin clinic. But anyway unless the laws have changed there seems to be plenty of people doing it so i'm not sure but it's not allowed to be over a certain percentage anyway so to get the good amount of azelaic you really need to get that from the pharmacy for 15 percent azelaic to get results and that you can actually buy in the pharmacy it's very cheap it's called finacea gel and i've seen great results with that for that red bumpy type skin so if anyone's looking for a more affordable option that's going to work, um, 
that's a great alternative. And salicylic's great too. So again, you want one to two percent salicylic. Um, that's where the evidence is for acne. Um, sometimes you'll see it in a, a lotion, a toner, or a face wash. So it depends on the formula. It might have those calming ingredients in it as well. But that tends to be really good for getting in those those pores for for congestion. And um, I've seen incredible results as well when I used to work with the Skin Institute with the glycolic. I literally, I know some people don't like glycolic, but again, it depends on the, because of its potential sensitisation, but it depends on the final formula. This was sort of buffered, so it was more gentle. Um, I literally saw, and so many people also used to tell me that that acne cleared with the glycolic um, because of that effective decongesting action so there are some great ingredients i'm not a lover of benzyl peroxide for acne i don't know about you it can be quite effective but it can also cause things like hyperpigmentation and also it will bleach pillowcases towels um so whilst it is an effective ingredient there can be side effects and you can ruin all your bedding and your towels as well so I think there are other ingredients that you can get great results with without having to use benzyl peroxide is my point. Uh, totally. I'm definitely not a fan of benzyl peroxide. Uh, I've seen some pretty bad instances in clients' skin after using that ingredient. So, yeah, no, I need to do a lot of work rebuilding that skin barrier after that product. So I'd prefer, yeah, to stay away. Um, another really good ingredient that I do introduce for acne skin is superoxide dismutase topically. I do look for that as well. That's a really good antioxidant um, to reduce inflammation. Beta-glucan, as you said, is very, very good. Um, as a lake, I do have in the clinic, it's a 5%. Um, I do have the option to increase that ingredient if I want to for the clients. Um, so I can actually double the dose if I need to, if I'm mixing up a serum. Um, but there's some really fantastic ingredients to treat and manage acne that make such a huge difference. And we've pretty much listed all of them. Um, it's just being strategic. Vitamin A is being the regulator, mm. just being strategic as to, you know, when you introduce yeah. it, pick your client and the dose of it as well. And the formulation is really important. Yeah, absolutely. No, um, I think we're big retinal to high fans. Oh yeah. <laughs> I think I love Retinal, retinaldehyde for pretty much every skin um, condition, it, it does wonders. And as we've said before, I think out of any skincare ingredient, that's one I see the best results with. And vitamin C as well, um, and there are different derivatives of vitamin C. But even niacinamide, it's a great ingredient, but I've never actually, to be honest with you, seen life-changing results with niacinamide. Most of my clients will actually say that too, but it's one of those ingredients that if you stop using it, you'll notice it. Yeah. It's just kind of there doing its job, but it's not going to kind of create those life. Yeah. It's not going to really create a life changing result for you. Yeah. It's, it's not like that transformation in the skin that you may see with retinaldehyde or even vitamin C. Um, B3 is, is nice because I guess it's supporting skin barrier, but you don't really notice the difference. That's my True. that's my opinion anyway. I'm like, oh my god, you know, I I still like it as an ingredient, especially mixed with other things. But I I think it needs to be mixed with other things as well, um, like your hyaluronics and your beta glucans and, and things like that as well. Just ceramides for 
for yes. barrier function as well and that's when you you can really get some incredible results for it so we've spoken about led which is a great option and what about um peels because i always say there's a time to peel and there's the time you know there's a time to rebuild and there's a time to to peel and I do feel, and I think you feel the same, a lot of people go straight in with peels and I think back in the day, you know, when peels seemed to be trending, if you like, it was the latest thing and everyone was doing peels and I'm having a quick peel to freshen my skin up and it was all about peeling, 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 peeling. The stronger the peel, the better. Um, Look, I have also seen incredible results with skin peels and some really intense skin peels. Some peels, like the phenol peel, is you have to be sedated for it, so traumatic, um, you know, and it, it can actually be really, if it's absorbed systemically, quite life-threatening, so it's got to be done by a medical professional. Um, but that can actually go quite deep and actually get rid of acne scarring, so that's a really intense, um, invasive, I think, procedure, but I have seen incredible results, but it, would be, it wouldn't be my first choice to recommend. Um, but some peels can actually be really beneficial um, because we're clearing away all that sort of build-up of dead skin and, well, congestion, should I say, rather than, than dead skin. Um, but sometimes I've noticed that if you do do a peel on an acne skin, providing that it can cope with it, if the barrier's not too impaired, it can bring everything out. Totally. Um, I'm a huge fan of peels. Um, there are some really good peels uh, for acne-prone mm. skin, but that once again, they need to be done at the right time. Glycolic acid is very good. It's a very small molecule, though, so it will penetrate to help to dislodge a lot of clogging and congestion, but it can be quite irritating on skin, so you've got to pick your time and got to pick your skin for that. Um, salicylic, once again, BHA, very good for acne-prone skin. Um, lactic acid can also be very good as well because it's hydrating. A lot of acne prone skins are very dehydrated, trans epidermal water loss. So they're looking for that hydration and lactic acid in essence has that little bit of a probiotic effect on the skin as well. So it is a very good, um, treatment to do if the skin is quite inflamed so just building up to peels is important once you reduce the inflammation you can go in with peels because they will certainly dislodge a lot of the clogging the congestion that comedone that sits in that follicle remember we want to get deep into that follicle to re to relieve that plug and reduce it and help it to come out through skin but there's also a time and a place where you can over peel so you need to just be mindful of how many treatments you're going to do in a course, um, what type of um, acid you're going to use, and then what your strategy is to move on to the next treatment to do what you need to do to the skin. So, yeah, it's just understanding the amount of time and the amount of um, treatments you're doing in that course. And also the downtime with appeal as well because, you know, straight after the skin's going to dry out really and then it's going to look you're going to look like, Freddy Krueger for a while um it can go dark and it can go dry and then it will start to lift and peel and then you're flaking and so there is downtime with a peel you have to really time it when you haven't got any events and things on you've also got to adhere to the home care because if you're peeling the skin is peeling and you've got someone that's starting to 
pull and pick at the skin, you can potentially cause more pigmentation and, and scarring. And then, of course, if you've had a peel, any kind of hydroxy acid is going to make the skin more photosensitive. So if you've had a peel and then you're going in the sun, then you're going to be more prone to pigmentation and sensitivity from the, the sun. So it also depends on the client and whether they're suitable for the peel because I've done some pretty intense peels before, you know, in the past and <laughs> gone through all the home care with the client. Yes, yes, agree, they were all going to do it. Um, and I've literally got phone calls from the beach and they're at the beach or, you know, I've seen them on Instagram and they're, they're at the beach and they've just had a peel. I'm like, what are you doing? You said you weren't going to go in the sun and oh, I've got a wide brim hat on and you're sitting direct sunlight in, at the beach even though you've got a hat on. You don't do that after a, a peel. So, you know, you, you've got to be... You've got to be the right candidate for appeal. You've got to have client compliance as well. And if you're somebody that can't follow the home care, don't have appeal. Exactly. And you can't get complacent with these clients. They need, and they can't get complacent either. They need to follow the right home care. We are looking for a response in the skin when you're doing appeal. So peeling can be part of the response from the skin. That is not a reaction. Um, that is a response. We are looking for that. We are wanting that cell turnover. And part of that process is that little bit of peeling that you may get. You're going to have redness. You potentially could have a little bit of heat that day. So being being compliant with the aftercare is a mandatory. Um, if you are going to go out in the sun or if you're going to vigorously exercise straight after having a peel, you're going to have a reaction, let's face it. Um, it's going to happen. So, yeah, understanding that um, side of things is important. You can get creative with peels as well. You can double layer. You can mix your ingredients um, if you really want to get in there and refine the skin, but pick your skin. You know, you would do that type of treatment on a client that does have a very thick, oily, you know, skin type with lots of, you know, comedones, pustules, papules, you want to get in there, that's great. But you wouldn't do that on a very fine textured skin or you'd really pick your skin, pick the peel and pick the amount of time you're going to leave it on for. Mm, definitely. Um, another thing I hear as well, you know, when people have acne, they come in and then they're told, you know, you must wash your pillowcase every night, which always makes me cringe a bit because I think nobody's going to wash their pillowcase every night. And interestingly, there's absolutely zero evidence of washing your pillowcase is going to help with an acne skin, which is quite interesting. And if you actually think about it, yeah, most people, if you wash your pillowcase once a week, that's fine. But if you actually think about the bacteria that are involved in acne, they thrive in an anaerobic environment, right? And that means they thrive and multiply when there's no oxygen. So Correct. If, if your pillowcase is in an aerobic environment and exposed to oxygen, that bacteria isn't thriving anyway. Like acne isn't a spreadable disease. You can't spread the bacteria so that advice really, whilst everyone says it, and obviously we want to maintain hygiene, but it's not going to spread your acne. And I think that's a common myth that clients get told and quite often that comes from beauty therapists saying it, you know, like wash your pillowcase every night or, you know, make sure you wash your pillowcase. But it actually doesn't make any difference really to acne. Unless you go to bed with your makeup on, <laughs> which you should not be doing. No, um, and then you're going to have a dirty pillowcase. Mm, 
Exactly. Yeah. No, there's some really good procedures for acne. I really enjoy treating acne. I love seeing the changes. Um, purging is something that will happen when you treat acne. So be prepared, which I do always educate my clients on. It is going to get worse before it gets better. Um, it's just inevitable. But get through that because once you do and you follow the protocol, believe me, you will come out the other side and your skin will really dramatically change. Then we can start look at treating um, scarring. Scarring is the last thing that I treat, um, even though most of the time vitamin C is something we can't use in the beginning for acne clients unless the formulation is right because of the inflammation. But, you know, once we get through all of that purging and the inflammation is reduced, we've started to regulate and normalize skin, we can start then going in with those proge- uh, procedures that help with scarring. So let's go back to the purging because... Mm sometimes I hear people say oh your skin's going to get worse before it gets better which it can get worse before it gets better because of purging and I think purging occurs more with acne skins but it doesn't happen with all skincare and I I just want to cover that because um, quite often you could be using say a moisturizer and your skin's great and then somebody puts you onto a different moisturizer sells you their moisturizer and you start breaking out that's not your skin purging. That's probably using comedogenic ingredients or a product that is not suitable for you. You know, it's too rich, it's too emollient, there's too many plant oils. Um, it might have some of those comedogenic ingredients that we spoke about before. That is acne cosmetica. That is not your skin purging. So I just want to clarify that because everyone goes, oh, it's just purging. Your skin will get used to the product. That's different. Purging is basically when your skin is purging, breaking out, um, and that usually happens with products that are accelerating cell turnover. So it can happen with vitamin A, it can happen with hydroxy acids, it can happen with peels. It's when we're stimulating that cell turnover, speeding everything up, then everything, the gunk, if you like, is is coming out. So that can happen with with acne. But it is usually hydroxy acid products um, and it is usually vitamin A. And I know my skin, for instance, as soon as I start using too many actives, particularly hydroxy acids, my skin breaks out to the point where I don't normally have breakouts. So I think, well, why do I need a hydroxy acid? Because it just makes me break out. It's just my skin. Um, Unless it's feeling a little bit congested and then I will use a hydroxy acid and it will help to clear that so we need to be making sure we're actually using the right ingredient for the right skin type as well so purging is when your skin can break out from your ingredients but that is when it's clearing and that's usually from your exfoliating ingredients because I do see people sometimes persevering with products that are causing breakout and it's not actually purging it's just using comedogenic ingredients and it's sometimes quite confusing to know the difference Correct. Um, Don't be scared of purging. Um, Purging is a good thing. Purging will not create more breakouts. Purging will clear out what is already trapped within the skin. So remember acne itself, physiologically, it happens very deep within that follicle. So purging is a good thing. But if you are experiencing more breakouts, then I have to question the products that you're using because purging won't do that. Um, so yeah, there are some ingredients that will regulate and normalize cell turnover, oil flow. We want to clean up the skin and get that bacteria under control. Part of that process with the cleaning up is purging. So purging is a good thing. Don't be scared of that. If it's happening, ask your therapist, is this okay? If there are more breakouts in that area, then I'm questioning the products. 
It can also happen when um, you're altering the microbiome of the skin as well because there is a microbiome component with breakouts in the skin as well. And we know that certain um, microbes are more involved in acne. And when we're rebalancing the micro, uh, the skin microbiome, which are all the little microorganisms on the skin, sometimes that that rebalance can cause breakouts as well. And that's just a temporary thing too. Correct. Yeah. I mean, in essence, with acne, you've got that P acne bacteria that's proliferating, right? It's it's thriving in that environment. That bacteria potentially lives on our skin all the time, but it's just that you know, overgrowth or that stimulation of it because of the environment. Once you bring that environment back to a normal place and regulate it, that bacteria won't be doing that. So yeah, part of that process is potential breakouts. Also, I find um, when I'm putting clients on internal support for acne, part of that process can be a little bit of purging with that as well, especially when you're starting to normalize and regulate their diet, working on their gut health and the microbiome. Sometimes that can happen. Um, especially with a little bit of, um, yeah, a liver gut support powder, you can have that happen. And you'll see it happen in particular lymphatic drainage across this area. You tend to get that little bit of breakout and purging across there too, but that's a temporary thing. Mm, it's just all your liver clearing yeah. out. But um, I think it's important to know the difference between purging and comedogenic ingredients. So we've spoken about treatments. Um, what about, because one of the treatments that's really popular for acne and it's probably, I don't know, debatable perhaps or maybe a little bit outdated in my opinion, microdermabrasion. Mm. <laughs> I, look, I sit on the fence with that treatment. It's not a favourite of mine to be honest. I think it's a very aggressive way of exfoliating and there's not many skins that can handle microdermabrasion, to be honest. You really need to pick your skin. Um, I don't do a lot of it because I don't have those skins that are really indicated for it. There's a place for it, but it's not my go-to. It really isn't. There are other treatments that are a lot better for managing and treating acne. I don't mind it when you use a really small head around the nose area where it's quite congested just on sort of the nose and the t-zone but I agree and it, it's quite a bizarre concept when you think about it and I know I know 10 15 years ago it was really huge everyone was having their weekly microdermabrasion which is way too much you're basically removing the whole skin barrier and then putting actives on which is going to irritate the skin even more so unless you've got a little bit of congestion and there's a bit of suction with the microdermabrasion, so it's going to help a little bit with lymph, depending how you do it. Um, I think it's a bit of an outdated treatment, and I think it can potentially do more damage. I've seen scratches, I've seen impaired skin barriers, um, and I still think it's overused. But occasionally there is a time and a place for it, and there can be a use for it. But when you think about it, it's really like just getting a piece of sandpaper and rubbing that on your face. It's literally what it is doing. Yeah, it is very abrasive and there's really not many skins that can have it done and it's certainly not something that I do a lot of as well. It's really not a go-to of mine. Um, another treatment thing that we're on this topic is um, epidermal levelling. I was so about to mention that one. What do you uh, think? What do you think? Oh, look, if... If there's a time and a place, yep. 
people need to remember it is predominantly a skin treatment. It is not a hair removal treatment. The hair comes off as a bonus. So in essence, we're using a very fine blade to remove dead skin. Now, if you do this treatment on a skin that is impaired, that has acne, that has rosacea, that has dermatitis, you are going to flare up that condition because you are really removing that skin barrier. You're interrupting with the skin's microbiome um, and you're making the skin incredibly vulnerable. And then when you go and put those actives on afterwards, it is going to react. Mm -hmm. That's a reaction. So, yeah, leveling has a place um, and there are some skins that thrive on it and it looks amazing and the hair comes off with it, the fine downy hair, and it can look incredible. But it's not something that should be done as regularly as what people think. People get addicted to it too because it gets rid of all that downy hair and so your makeup sits beautifully and you get that glass-like skin and people get really addicted to it. But whenever you remove hair, um, even waxing, you can get breakouts after waxing because you're upsetting the microbiome. You're removing the hair, which is acting like a little wick to to let the sebum out onto the skin. And so you're going to get more more prone to breakouts after waxing and things like that as well. Um, and when you're when you're cutting off the top of the hair as well, um, it can make it harder for even things like sebum to come out of the skin, so it gets trapped in the follicle. So I just think it's something to be aware of because look maybe for a special occasion and you want your makeup to sit well but then do you really want to be shaving your face prior to a special occasion in case you get a cut or a breakout it's not my favorite treatment I've actually never had it done professionally I've never looked at doing it as a treatment professionally it's never something that's resonated with me it seemed a bit gimmicky to be honest um some people absolutely swear by it and you do get that smooth, flawless skin and you it makeup sits beautifully. But as you've said, I'm I'm in total agreeance. <sighs> Just be careful because I think people get addicted and you can actually make your skin worse with it. Most of the clients that ask for this treatment um, are those clients that have a lot of fine, blonde, downy hair. Um, and it can be quite yeah. beneficial them because they have issues when they go and have waxing or laser or threading and they break out after so there are some strategies for that to prevent that from happening but that's another story but um the epidermal leveling can be quite good for them i have a lot of brides that do ask me for that treat um you know and i can certainly understand because they want the makeup to look more flawless if they are in a place for it and their skin is in a good place it's something that i would do for them for that reason um but it needs to be done about a week and a half two weeks before because if you do it any closer the makeup's not going to stick to the skin and you can potentially have you know just in case there's a little bit of a response from yeah. the skin yeah exactly um yeah anyone before any special occasion i find they always come in a few days or a week before um or they want the peel the week before or they want this or that the week before it's like no it's too late um because you probably will get a few breakouts or something could happen um and there can be downtime so that is something to be aware of even with injectables now actually something we haven't mentioned for treatments open pores so it might be somebody doesn't have acne or breakouts but they do have open pores and open pores don't look great especially under makeup and they they do become more visible as we age so what would be your go-to with that is there anything that you found has been particularly beneficial yeah i've had some great results in treating open pores um Open pores, remember for everyone listening, if you can imagine 
what an overstretched rubber band looks like. That's in essence what an open pore is. As we get older, we've got breakdown of collagen, we've got sun exposure, mm, and it basically like that. makes that yeah. opening a lot more, you know, I guess not as as tight, right? So it becomes looser. Um, managing open pores is actually quite easy. So <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> no, my mind went somewhere else. I can just imagine where your mind went right now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so um, managing open pores, very, very success, uh, successful results with um, fractional radiofrequency, skin needling, laser genesis, ingredients like vitamin A. Yeah, um, AHAs can help with that as well. Um, but yeah, vitamin C can also help with that too. But yeah, they're the they're my go-to treatments for open pores. Absolutely, needling, laser genesis, fractional RF. I haven't seen a huge difference with topical with open pores. Um, yeah, you can help to refine and help to clear out the pores with the topical, but I've never seen anything sort of shrink back with the topical ingredient. Um, I do think even skin needling, even um, injectables can be beneficial as well because if you're sort of supporting the dermis you know where it sort of collapsed and the pores got wider you sort of can help to minimize the appearance a little bit as well um and even i'd be looking at things just to refine the skin with even things like your um bioremodeling injections as well skin tightening skin needling that can also be quite beneficial as well um and also for Acne scarring, when we're getting more uneven skin, I've seen incredible results with skin needling for that too. Brilliant results for scarring. Um, I find the fractional radiofrequency even better, yeah, than skin needling um, because it's less traumatic and you're hitting deeper into those layers of the skin to really target that collagen. So that's where I find the fractional RF can be a little bit more beneficial sometimes. Skin needling, I've seen some huge results with. Don't get me wrong. It's a fantastic treatment along with laser genesis. I think all of them combined in the right treatment plans, strategically planned when you're going to do them, can really support scarring. And when you say fractional RF, um, mm. for people listening, can we name just some of the, the different brands and different treatments that offer that so when they're looking for the treatment, they know what it is? Morpheus A, that's yeah. what I have in the clinic. Um, it is absolutely brilliant, not just for scarring. I also use it to treat acne as well because, because of the heat component to that treatment and you are, in essence, you know, using needles, you do create a coagulation. So it actually regulates that follicle. It regulates the sebaceous gland. It helps to regulate the dead skin um, and it's incredible for scarring. So you can actually treat skin that is prone to acne as an all-rounder mm. treatment with, with fractional RF or Morpheus 8. Mm. And there's there's a new one, Exion, which I haven't tried yet. I'm about to try it. Um, yeah. More just for ageing and skin tightening and pores and things like that, which is another brand, but it's a, a similar type of, of technology. Um, so there's a few different um, machines out there that can be really beneficial for that. Um so I think also laser, there are some laser treatments for acne that literally can shrink permanently the sebaceous gland. And I know there's quite a few clinics that can offer that as well. So if you've got that um, extra oily skin, then there are laser treatments that literally will shrink the sebaceous gland to reduce the oil flow, to reduce the acne. So that can be beneficial too. Because I find a lot of people, you know, if they're just taking, say, antibiotics for acne, 
we're not getting to the root of the cause. You're just sort of treating the, the bacteria and then long-term you're going to affect the gut microbiome. If you stop taking the antibiotics, the acne can come back. So it can be a bit of a, a quick fix, but it's not a long-term fix. We're not getting to that, that root. And now while I've mentioned antibiotics, there's another word that you can probably think I know what I'm talking about. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> we need to talk about because there will be people that have got um, acne that have been offered Roaccutane or are thinking about going on Roaccutane. Um, and for those people that don't know, it is a medical drug. It's a very hardcore vitamin A derivative, if you like. It's a drug that is going to effectively manage acne. It's more, I would suggest, for people that have got that really cystic nodular acne almost disfiguring acne and in that situation when it is that disfiguring and that traumatizing emotionally there may be a time and a place for it because it does get results however there are severe side effects you know thinning of the mucous membranes there can be severe liver damage um, depression mental health with it so it's definitely not a medication to um, take lightly and it needs to be something that is very very carefully considered with your dermatologist ideally um, or your GP but I would say go to a dermatologist if you are thinking about taking that medication. I have helped manage a lot of people with acne over my time and thankfully I've never had to refer anyone to take um, the Roaccutane, we've managed to get it under control. So my advice would be, before going to that, use that as your last resort and see what we can do by managing diet, topicals, your professional treatments, see how much we can get that under control before we end up going to the medical route. That would be my advice. But obviously... It can be really traumatising and it can be very, very effective, but it does come with side effects. Yeah. Um, look, at the end of the day, we don't judge any of our clients that, um, and at the end of the day, this is their choice. Yeah. If they decide to go on Roaccutane, if they decide to, you know, intervene with medical intervention with um, antibiotics, we never judge. We always make them aware of that road and that journey and what can potentially happen after because there is a lot of rebuilding that needs to go on after antibiotics and after Roaccutane. Most of the time I will see clients after they've tried it um, because predominantly a lot of people are having it in their teens. You know, it is... You know, it's debilitating for a client to have cystic acne. It's affecting their social life. And, and most teenagers now these days are wanting that quick relief. So I generally tend to see people post-Roaccutane um, and they're experiencing all sorts of side effects. Their skin is incredibly impaired. They're having issues with their gut. They're having issues with liver function. Um, you know, most of the time I see a lot of rosacea post-Roaccutane as well. Um, that's a condition that can tend to automatically show up. Um, I've seen certain situations where autoimmune disease started to surface post-Roaccutane. So there's a, few common there's a few issues that happen with that common denominator of Roaccutane. However, um, you can absolutely manage acne with this integrative approach without going down that road. It can be done. 
However, if the client does make that choice to go down that road, we don't judge. We just look after them yeah. after they finish their course. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, but, yeah, the integrative approach is where we like to go. <laughs> yes, agreed. It's a much healthier option. Yes, the results, it's not a quick fix. But there are some incredible treatments. There are some incredible topical ingredients that are much healthier for you and for your body to get a resolution with acne. At the end of the day, that's what we're trying to promote. We're promoting healthy skin, healthy aging, reducing inflammation. And I do treat a lot of inflammatory skin conditions. And if you follow the protocol and follow the journey, you will really, really get a resolution um, it, it's, it, it can be done and it has been done plenty of times and it's really satisfying to see. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think hopefully this has been very helpful for people that are getting the breakouts to help identify the triggers, um, but also to know what topicals to start with because I, I like to, like you, introduce it gradually, you know, almost like a level system, calm and then sort of decongest and, and get on top of it that way. Um, the same with the professional treatments as well. So my advice when, when looking for somebody to help manage that acne, if you're looking for a skin professional, is obviously if you're in Adelaide, go and see you. <laughs> um, but it's really to look at the experience of that practitioner how experienced are they? How many years have they been practicing? How um, experienced are they dealing with that particular skin condition? What treatments do they offer? Because, for instance, um, you know, some people just only have a microdermabrasion machine and that's all they'll offer to all of their clients and they haven't actually um, prescribed a treatment plan unique for that client. So, just be aware of, you know, that person's, not only their credentials, but their experience, what treatments they actually offer, how much have they invested in that equipment, and do they have the right equipment for your skin type as well? And if they don't, you might need to go and see someone else, and that's fine. But it's just to be aware of that, because I do see a lot of um, skin professionals offering the same treatments to everyone, the same peel for every skin type, the same microdermabrasion. Um and then I'm thinking, well, how precise is that treatment going to be to get the results for you? So it is important to do your homework with your practitioner and, and also make sure that you're using the right skincare for your, your skin. Exactly. And ensure that they can answer your questions. Education is everything. You know, these clients want to be heard. They want to be understood. So making sure that your client, your therapist has the diversity of procedures for you, but also the education behind them to be able to help you to understand what's going on and what you need to do moving forward to ensure that it doesn't come back. Absolutely. Well said. <laughs>